the enemy wants to control, contain, and coerce. But Jesus wants to encourage, free, and empower. Hey, this is Taylor, and welcome back to Elevate Retake. We want you to experience faith as the continual everyday process of learning more about the Bible, ourselves, and God. And we believe that this podcast will be just what you need to come to a closer relationship with God. We are back this week with Michael Gibson, who is pastor for our young adults. The title for this episode is The Demons. Your engaged question is, would Jesus ever leave you behind? The key passage we will be looking at is found in Luke 8, verse 38 and 39, and it reads, The man who had been freed from the demons begged to go with him, but Jesus sent him home saying, no, go back to your family and tell them everything God has done for you. So he went all through the town proclaiming the great things Jesus had done for him. A key theme we'll be looking at is sometimes even Jesus asks us to stay where we are as he moves on. Hey God, thank you for today. Thank you for the chance that we have just to come and worship. We've come here seeking your presence, but could it be that you might leave us behind? God, may it not be so. But if it is, help us to find your will and what you would have us do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. There's a book by the name of Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Has anybody read that book? Heard of Stephen Covey? I saw a hand go like this, sneak up right above the pew. Yep, a couple of you. Here's what Stephen Covey says. I think it's his his second habit. He says, we must begin with the end in mind. So today, instead of beginning at the first verse of the pericope or the passage that we're going to be looking at, we're going to be looking at the last verse because we have to begin with the end in mind. So here we go. Luke chapter 8. We're going to be looking at verses 26 through 39, but I want to take you to verse 38 first. So if you've got your Bibles, it is going to be up on the screen, but I encourage you, pull your phone out, scroll over to the Bible app, search for it online. If you've got your physical Bible with you, go ahead and open that up, because we're going to be hovering in Luke chapter 8 today. And this is part of our crisis point series got two more weeks of this. I've invited Pastor James to speak on the next pericope next week, um, and then I'll be back to finish this up the following week. But the whole premise of the series is to look, okay, what does Jesus do in the midst of crisis? And may it be that if we look at what Jesus does in the midst of crisis, that we would know how to operate in the midst of crisis as well. So if you got your Bibles, Luke chapter 8, verse 38, the men who had been, the man who had been freed from the demons begged to go with him, but Jesus sent him home. That's how this story finishes. And for me, it brings up some questions in my mind. I don't know about yours. How was this man healed? It was demon possession, but what did that look like? Why did he want to go with Jesus? And why did Jesus leave him behind? And would it be that Jesus would leave you or me behind? It's the questions we're going to be looking at. So back to the top, Luke chapter 8, verse 26. We're going to be diving in Luke chapter 8, verse 26. So they arrived in the region of the Gerasenes across the lake from Galilee. Now, remember, if you've been with us as a part of this series, 
what has just happened just a few verses before? You can scroll in your Bible. What happened? Jesus calmed the storm, right? The disciples had set out on the lake. They were out in the midst of it. A storm comes up. Jesus is taking a nap in the back of the boat. The disciples are freaking out. They wake him up, and he says, peace be still. The lake instantly goes to glass, and the disciples are amazed in wonder. And I imagine they're still kind of in wonder and in shock as they continued sailing across the lake, and we meet them on the other side in this verse. They arrived in the region of the Gerasenes across the lake from Galilee. As Jesus was climbing out of the boat, a man who was possessed by demons came out to meet him. For a long time, he had been homeless and naked, living in the tombs outside the town. This begins our journey through these verses. And imagine for a moment what a shocking sight. You know, often we read the Bible, don't we? And we look at these verses and we just kind of, oh yeah, so Jesus gets out of the boat and this demon-possessed guy comes up to him and, you know, it's Jesus, so everything's going to be okay. But what a sterilized reading of Scripture. Because picture in your mind's eye for a moment, if you were one of those disciples in the boat with Jesus, Imagine for a moment you had just been in awe and shock and wonder of what Jesus had done over nature. And now this crazy guy who's possessed by demons starts to come up. And it's probably, you probably wouldn't reach for the popcorn or be like, all right, what's Jesus going to do now? Perhaps you're stepping out in front of Jesus trying to protect him. Or maybe you're now cowering in the back of the boat because didn't Jesus sleep during the storm? So maybe if I sleep this one off, everything will be okay. But Jesus doesn't flinch. And this man, for a moment, if we look at his life, he lived among the cemetery. And just like today, cemeteries in our culture kind of taboo, and it, it, this is apropos for this time of year with Halloween being just a few weeks away as people celebrate the dead and the supernatural. Jesus, well, maybe not Jesus, but certainly his disciples and the townsfolk around would have been freaked out by this guy. Because cemeteries were not the place that you entered other than when you were burying someone who needed to be buried there. And cemeteries were seen as unclean. You didn't, you didn't go there. And that's why this guy had been cast out. And in the biblical cultures where, not as well, not so much the Jews, but for the people of this area who were not Jews, there was a lot of myths and legends about what happened in the cemetery. And it was indeed the devil's playground. And it's interesting, if we continue on, Luke chapter 8, verses 28 and 29. As soon as he saw Jesus, that's the man with the demon possession, he shrieked and fell down in front of him. And then he screamed, why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Please, I beg you, do not torture me. Could it be that that's our response maybe as we hover over Luke chapter 8, verse 28? that maybe we recognize times in our lives when Jesus is passing by and we hurl ourselves down in front of Jesus and say, Jesus, what do you, what do you have to do with me? Because I'm in this particular state. Don't interfere with me. Don't torture me. Just leave me alone, Jesus. That's how the demons responded to Jesus. And the demons themselves even recognized who Jesus was. 
And that's an interesting point to ponder as well. You see, the enemy, the devil, he already knows that he's lost. He already knows that Jesus is Lord. But what he tries to do is cheat and lie and destroy to make you think the same thing. But even the demons in this moment recognize Jesus and Lord. In fact, it's kind of a strange thing to say, but do you know that demons have faith? Not the the faith that will save them, but the faith that recognizes that Jesus truly is Lord and he's the king of this world. In fact, James chapter 2 verse 19 puts it this way. You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. It's not good enough just to believe that Jesus is Lord unless you accept him as Lord of your life. You bring him in and say, Jesus, this, myself, my person, my body, my soul, is your domain. Do with me what you want. So we go back, Luke chapter 8, verse 29. Jesus had already commanded the evil spirit to come out of this man. So Luke is kind of jumping around here. He's helping us understand the details. And the reason that the demon is shrieking out to Jesus is that Jesus has already said, hey, get out of here. Hey, get out of here. So Jesus commands the evil spirit to come out of him. This spirit had often taken control of the man. Even when he was placed under guard and put in chains and shackles, he simply broke them and rushed out into the wilderness completely under the demon's power. It's interesting to look and see how the community responded to this man who had some issues. And, you know, aren't there some people in our community that have issues? Don't look at your neighbor. Resist the urge. Resist the urge. This man himself was bound not only by possession, but by the community. You see, the community's response to this person's troubling times was to try to shackle and chain him down. They weren't trying to seek to to free him, to liberate him of what oppressed him. They brought more oppression upon him. And unfortunately, sometimes that's our approach in dealing with people who have issues, isn't it? Aside from the fact that we ignore our own issues, we place the shackles of shame, guilt, inadequacy, and expectation on others who are struggling. When even we are in the same boat as well. May we not be the people who say, come to Jesus, but clean up your life first. No, that's not how Jesus operates. You see, the community had been operating from the same camp that the enemy had. As the enemy had tried to drag this man down and possess him completely, the community tried to keep him and control him. And see, here's the thing. The enemy seizes by force, but Jesus compels with love. The enemy wants to control, contain, and coerce. But Jesus wants to encourage, free, and empower. The enemy drives us to isolation. Jesus draws us into community. The enemy incites fear, and Jesus only kindles 
I don't know about you, but there's one side of that list that I want to be on and another side of that list that I want to shun. And as we look at the world around us and as we see the turmoil that we're faced with, it's difficult to say, which side of the line should I be on? Let me offer this to you. The political line doesn't matter. The geographical line doesn't matter. The line that separates races and ethnicities does not matter. The line that matters is the line that separates those who are in service to God and those who are in service to the enemy. And those who are serving the enemy want to control, contain, and coerce. They want to isolate. They want to incite fear. But Jesus, in every single interaction he has with his people, brings encouragement, freedom, and empowerment brings community, and he kindles and fosters love. And the beautiful part of this story is that Jesus came to set humans free. He came to set humans free. There's this liberating love of Jesus that we don't often talk about because it all of a sudden opens up to raw conversations. But there's a Jesus that each and every one of us sitting in this room can personally know, and he's waiting anxiously for you to come to him. Say, I'm ready. And he extends his hand of liberating love to you. The story goes on, Luke chapter 8, verse 30. Jesus demanded, what's your name? Legion, he replied, for he was filled with many demons. The demons kept begging Jesus not to send them into the bottomless pit. Get this, we have to pause for a moment. Anytime that we come to Jesus, Jesus asks us, hey, what is your name? And Luke says that it's the man that replies, Legion, but I doubt that Legion was the man's actual name. And Luke gives us that information saying, hey, there was not just one demon, there were many demons. A quick side note, Matthew tells us that there's two guys that Jesus delivers from demons. Luke says there are only one. But even one person possessed by demons is one person too many. And there's a lot of scholarly debate about how much is a legion and is it connected to how the Romans operate military-wise and anything. Let me tell you, Even one demon is too many demons. But Luke says there were many in this man. And the demons kept begging Jesus not to send them into the bottomless pit. You see, the enemy is fully aware of the direction and the trajectory of their lives. They know exactly what awaits them at the end, and they want to drag everybody they can to the bottomless pit. And you know, Sometimes the enemy can take such strong hold in our lives that our own identity is defined by the enemy instead of God. Yes, it's the man that replied, but he had been so oppressed by the demonic forces that he replied in a different identity than what Christ was trying to call out from him. And we too sometimes redefine our lives, not the way God sees us, but the way the enemy sees us. We tell ourselves we're not enough. We're not good enough. We aren't lovable. I'm not the person I'm supposed to be yet. Jesus has a different outcome for this man who he's with. And the story continues on, verses 31 and 32. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. 
And the demons begged him to let them enter the pigs. And so Jesus gave them permission. The demons say, hey, don't, don't, don't send us to destruction yet. There's, there's some pigs over there. Can we, can, we, can we head over there? So the demons possess the pigs. And you can imagine, what a sight, right? Pigs are headed down the hill. They're going to jump into the lake. And seeing pigs fly, you could say that that might have been the original swine flu. <laughs> Some of you will catch it later, right? Swine flu. Anyways, those pigs were flying. And there's some guys that are taking care of the pigs. Verse 33. The demons came out of the man, entered the pigs, and the entire herd plunged down the steep still hillside into the lake and drowned. Verse 34. When the herdsmen saw it, they fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. So those pigs are headed down the hill. They are trucking. And if you've ever seen a herd of pigs go, I haven't. You could probably search it on YouTube. I imagine it's loud. It's ruckus. Not to mention the demons are possessing them, and they drown the pigs in the lake. And there's guys that are, that are taking care of these pigs. And imagine, after they pick their jaws up off the floor, they run. Because now their entire livelihood, what they had built their lives around, the way that they made their money all of a sudden had vanished and Jesus was seemingly the culprit. Because wasn't he the one that said the demons could go into the pigs? What do you do now? Some of you have faced the real reality in the past six months that what you have spent your entire life building and working towards in the blink of a moment can totally disappear and you're out of a job and you're out of security for your family. And in that moment, it can be so easy to blame God, right? Why could God bring this upon me? Jesus, why did you send the demons into the pigs? We forget for a moment that there's something else going on behind the scenes. Because we see in verse 35, People rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been freed from the demons. And he was sitting at Jesus' feet, fully clothed and perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. Their perspective was totally myopic. But here's the thing. Look at what Jesus did for the man. It wasn't just enough to send the demons away. The man is now clothed and in his right mind. Here's the thing about Jesus. Not only does he set us free, but he puts us back together again as if nothing ever happened. This man is now completely clothed in his right mind, sitting in the presence of Jesus. What more could we ask for the people in our community? What more could we ask for ourselves seated in this place that we could be clothed in righteousness, in our right minds that have now been possessed by God, but not a possession of coercion and force, but a possession that compels us to love. And we're sitting in the presence of Jesus. Jesus specializes in turning darkness into light, of making the broken whole. He says it this way, John chapter 8, verse 36. If the Son sets you free, you are truly free. 
No ifs, ands, or buts about it. If Jesus says the word, you're free, completely and utterly. But often we can miss the miracle because we're so caught up with what else is going on in our life. And my life is falling apart. COVID hit, and now I'm in shambles. There's been a death in my family. I've lost my job. I've lost a loved one. The devil is attacking me. Verse 36, back to Luke chapter 8. Then those who had seen what had happened told the others how the demon-possessed man had been healed. And all the people in the region of the Gerasenes begged Jesus to go away and leave them. For a great wave of fear had swept over him. So Jesus returned to the boat and left, crossing back to the other side of the lake. Jesus, following his true character, says, I... I'm not going to force my way in. If you don't want me here, then sorry. I'll, I'll do what you wish. If we ask Jesus to leave, he'll leave. But the moment that we say, hey, can, 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 can you come in, Jesus? He's there and he's waiting. He did it for the demon-possessed man, and he can do it for you too. Those people were so selfish. Instead of celebrating what had happened to this man who his entire livelihood is now back, he's in his right mind, he's clothed, and he's taken care of. They can't see the miracle for losing everything in their life. But the story's not finished yet. And here's where it ends. Luke chapter 8, verses 38 and 39. The man who had been freed from the demons begged to go with him, but Jesus sent him home. That's where we began today, with the end in mind, right? And that's tough for us to wrap our minds around because doesn't Jesus call us and then we follow him wherever he goes and now we have a picture of Jesus not being accepted into a community and leaving and the guy who he's just healed, who he's fallen in love with Jesus and says, this is the guy. Jesus says, no, I need you to stay. This is the disciple that Jesus left behind. And here's why. Would Jesus ever leave you behind? Yes, absolutely. He says, no, go back to your family and tell them everything God has done for you. It's the calling of Jesus on our lives. Jesus says, I've got a plan and a place for you, sir. I have not been accepted by this community, but you're still a part of this community. And I want to leave you here in this community as I go on and bring up more places of light and more places of light. You need to be the light in this community. No, you can't come with me now, but I need you to bloom where you're planted, to grow where I've crawled you, to grow so that others can meet me when they're ready. Jesus asked him, will you tell others about what I've done in your life? And so he went all through the town proclaiming the great things Jesus had done for him. I imagine this guy, he annoyed everybody. Hey, good morning, how's it going? Hey, it's great today. Did I tell you about what happened a couple weeks ago when Jesus freed me? Yes, I heard about that. Hey, it's uh, $2 and change. Yeah, that's great. Thanks for the groceries. Oh, did I, can I pause for just a moment and let you know about a guy that changed my life? He's going all throughout the town, letting everybody know about what Jesus has done for him. And that's the power of the gospel. That's the power of Jesus. That when Jesus leaves us behind, or seemingly so, 
that we are left to follow in his footsteps wherever we trod so that others will know of who he is. Because we can be the light in the community. We can be the ones to proclaim the gospel. You know, I get up here and preach every week, most often. That's my calling, my gifting, what I've been called to serve here in this community. But I can't do this by myself. Because each and every one of you have friends, family, coworkers, people that you intersect with on a daily basis who I can't reach personally, but you can. So maybe as you come week in and week out to Elevate and to Keen Church, what you receive here should fill you to go and tell other people about the God who's transformed your life. Because each of us have a story. Some of us, well, all of us are in progress, right? There's some of us right now that feel like we're the demon-possessed man in the cemetery and there's no hope and there's no help. Others of us have caught the glimpse of Jesus and even though the enemy has defined our lives differently, there's something in us that compels us to approach Jesus that maybe, just maybe, I can have a little bit of hope in this moment. And there are other of us who have come into an encounter with Jesus and Jesus has set us free and we are free indeed and we are shouting for joy because of what God has done in our lives. Each of us are are represented here today. So here's my challenge for you. This is the true liberating love of Jesus. That when you come into an encounter with the Savior of the world who sets you free, that compels you to go set others free as well. Take Jesus with you as you go. Ellen White, one of the founders of our denomination in our church, puts it this way, Desire of Ages, page 341, the chapter talking about this story. She says it this way, souls that have been degraded into instruments of Satan are still, through the power of Christ, transformed into messengers of righteousness and sent forth by the Son of God to tell the great things Jesus has done. I don't know where you are. I don't know where you are in your journey. I know where some of you are. It's okay. Here's the thing. It's never too late. Even though you feel your soul has been degraded, the power of Christ reigns supreme. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And maybe today is your opportunity to say, Jesus, yep, I need that saving grace. I need that power to come and to flood my own life. So here's the thing. It's my hope and prayer for you this morning that just as that demon-possessed man was freed by Jesus 2,000 years ago, I pray that the shackles of sin and shame and addiction and temptation in your life are broken. The road is not gonna be easy from here on out, but what is going to be helpful and beautiful is that there's a God in heaven who loves you and is gonna do everything that he possibly can to break those chains in your life. The liberating love of Jesus is present and here, ready, waiting for you. Will you accept? Bow your heads with me as we pray. God, we're here. We've seen the example of of the demon-possessed man and how you set him free. And there are people here who need your healing touch, your salvific touch, your liberating love. And God, may that love come down today. May the Spirit of God descend upon us that our hearts may be warmed by your love, your affection, and your care. And may we be set free 
truth. Whenever that crisis arrives in our life, may we remember the day that you set us free. And the next challenge that we face, we cling to you and say, Jesus, there's no way I can get through this other than attaching myself to you. So God, I leave these people, your children, in your hands. May you work a miracle today. In Jesus' name I pray. What an incredible message from Pastor Michael about Jesus's liberating love. You know, normally right here, you would hear me, Taylor, respond to the message and offer some encouraging words. However, we are going to be trying something new. We are working on a project behind the scenes that is coming soon, and it includes some more voices and reactions to the messages that you are hearing. We would love to hear from you as well. Click the link in the description to leave us a voice message. I cannot wait to tell you about everything that we are working on, but it's not quite ready yet. So in the meantime, thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week. Thank you for listening. Elevate Retake is recorded weekly at Elevate, a community fellowship of Keene Church. Our audio is captured by Blake Snyder. Sound design and editing are done by Shane Miosi and Inspire Productions. Executive producers are Michael Gibson and Jonathan Coker. Our host is Taylor Weaver. Our team includes Evelyn Alanis, Candice McCormick, Simu Ciologa, Alicia Galvan, Emily Weaver, Zandria Andrade, Megan Metzner, and AJ Adams. Special thanks to 88.3 KJRN and the Keen Church Media Team. You can find Elevate on Instagram at thisiselevatetx. For more about Elevate Community Fellowship, visit thisiselevate.org. Currently, our services are live streamed every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Central Time at thisiselevate.org forward slash live. We'd love to have you join us. There's always room for one more.